uh, word as such. Um, but I thought it would be great to get the wisdom from some fathers in the house. Hence, we're going to have a, a panel up here in just a second. And um, so I would love if we could all put our hands together as I welcome up the church male leaders, which is John, Henry, Chris, Ryan and Matthew Batista. Happy Father's Day, John. So the praise and worship you're listening to right now is from my brother John right here. He used to sing in a band called Cavendish. And um, it was a Christian band, okay? Heavy music in the house of God. Only on Father's Day. Oh, so good. I thought you burned all them. <laughs> My kids found that at your house, in a shoebox somewhere in the garage. So good, good times. Oh, excellent. Well, I um, I just wanted to grab some wisdom from us today about fathering. There's some people in this house that are about to enter fathering, or you know, the youth and the young adults are always dreaming of that. I didn't mean to look at you, Matt. And um, Ryan's probably first. Yeah. So I know that these two have um, some questions for us fathers, but I just wanted to have a um, just simple conversational panel just for you to glean from. And also, you might have been a pastor for a long, uh, a pastor, a father for a while now. Um, you know what I've learned is that you can always grow and change. There's one thing in my life right now that I'm amending that I've always done, but I'm amending. Um, because I think we can always grow as people, especially fathers. You know, something I've learned is every single child needs to be parented differently. And, um, you know, the cookie cutter thing doesn't actually work. And, um, and so, you know, you're always praying for grace and wisdom and just like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Um, that's a prayer. (laughs) And, um, and so we're just like, you know, there's no manual out there. You, you try and learn from other people. And um, so I, I think from fellas from the house of God, it's a good place to learn. Yeah. And um, if you don't like their answers, these are your leaders. So um, it's your fault. Yeah. Exactly. We do voting, don't we, for our leaders? No, we don't. Okay, so it's all good. Anyway, um, we might start with you, John. Um, have you got something that you would love to bring to the table? Yeah, sure. Okay, guys. Tough question. Especially since fatherhood can be very consuming... Uh, and, you know, you've got work, kids. So my question was, how do you guys make sure that you stay socially interactive with friends? Because I'm a very big believer that men should have men friends. So how, how do you guys cope and deal with that? Hello. Um, I definitely struggled with this. Definitely. Um, and mostly because I wasn't thinking about anyone, just myself. <laughs> um, and I was focusing my friendship energy on my wife. And that was the only sort of connection that I had early on. And then I switched it because I then focused only on friends and then forgot my wife. Uh, <laughs> and then I made mistakes and then uh, found that out. 
But then um, after dealing with the, the baggage in my, in my relationship, I realized that I needed to have the support and the community and the environment. But it wasn't easy to get. Um, sometimes we can feel like we want to give too much to people around us. Um, but having people that can support and add into our lives as well is also very important. Um, so I found people that were good company, quality, and very strong in their faith. And then I also forced myself to go out and, and hang out with them by joining a band um, <laughs> and um, joining teams and joining, joining like creative team forced me to be social with people that um, I wouldn't normally be. Joining a band and, and making that happen even though we're so busy um, makes us get together and, and be social in that way. So I think Guy is generally very project-based. So that helped me. Well, I never had any friends. They're too expensive. <laughs> I'm your friend. Am I expensive? No, no, I got it. Thanks for I, building our kitchen. I've always had a lot of friends, but never friends that I sort of uh, lived in their backyard, so to speak. I was never in their face and in their house and going out and fishing and, you know, doing that. I don't know. I was 26 when I got saved, and... Um, when Colleen and I got saved, <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> we went boots and all for the Lord, and I really mean that. I don't mean that from a boastful or skyful. We just went boots and all. When when we found God in our lives, we just didn't know what happened. So I'm saying that because friends didn't actually worry me. I didn't even care. I had. Everyone, everywhere I went, I always had friends and I spoke to them. But I mean, friends that I had to spend time with was never on my agenda. It was never on my calendar. I just, yet we we're always friends. But I never went out fishing. I might go fishing every 10 years. I might go with someone. Uh, I might go with a bloke somewhere every 10 years to this or every. And I'm really serious about that. So when we got saved, our focus was family, 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 family. So we always taught that God, number one, your wife's number two in your life, in order, that is. God, one, your wife, two, your children are three. Your work is actually four, and your ministry is five. Whereas I always used to like to put <laughs> ministry number one, God, number two. And, and we thought that was... But that's how we were taught so... We put all our effort into our kids. We'd, we'd go with our kids here. We'd stay at home. We'd do things. We'd take them for early morning sunrises on the Strand in Townsville. We'd take them fishing now and then. None of us could fish, but we used to just go, you know, buy some bait and take a thermos of coffee and we'd we just call go. It rotting. Pardon? We call it rotting. Because <laughs> there's no fish. You don't catch fish. You just rod. Yeah, no, I never thought of that. That's rotting, yeah. I used to call it fishing. I'm really good at rotting. <laughs> and because I never caught any, I said, this is a waste of time. This is uh, the insight into a guy's world. <laughs> but if I knew that was rotting, I would have kept at it, yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's my perspective. Right or wrong, it does not matter. That's Colleen and I were like that. And uh, really and truly, we just spent all our time with the kids. And every now and then, we'd meet our friends at church. We'd go uh, for lunch after church or something like that. But I never went golfing or fishing for two days or going out anywhere like that. And maybe that's my nature. I just don't know. 
because it can get conflicting sometimes. So we just spend our time with the kids. And uh, they grew up, and as they grew up, I always said uh, to Colleen that we, were, we had Michael, our first boy, when we were 20. And um, when, we had, when we were 26, that's when I got saved. That's when Graham was born, a year before I got saved. So um, I, we always had the attitude, thank God, that um, we were, we, when our kids are old enough, we'll still be young enough. So, uh, you know, but what happened is when they used to get involved in school stuff, when they, when they were in their bands, they all, they, Jonathan and Graham and Michael, they were always playing music somewhere. But Colleen and I were always there. If they went every second night, we were always there, always there. We didn't go to their practices, of course, but wherever they went, we supported our kids, we support our kids. So we just took it as our family, God, wife, children in order and everything else will fall into place. Because I did hear stories that um, the pastors of certain churches in big churches in America and that, they were so good pastors, they were so dedicated to pastoring, they were so dedicated to God and to the flock that when they grew up their kids never knew them and they left home and they left the church and they said, never knew you dad. So I never wanted that to happen. So maybe I went overboard, I'm not saying, but yeah. I didn't have to have a balance between friends. The friends were just there, but our balance was with the kids. It's good. And I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah. See? There's evidence. Um, for me, I, I, I um, value friendships. I've had friendships in my life, you know, like school friendships, um, and I've always done this weird thing where I test the friendship. I don't know why. Don't do it. It's not a good idea because it, it doesn't work out well. Um, but I, I just kind of see if the friendship comes this way or from the one that's always got to instigate. And through that process, um, I've lost a lot of friends um, over the years. And, but um, when we got married, um, I think Mel and I just sort of came together and just decided life will be really lonely if... We keep going like this. So we have people around for dinner. We spent 15 years just like three nights a week having people over for dinner. And um, we're going over someone else's for dinner and just built, intentionally built really good friendships. Um, we would choose the right people. You know, we like their lifestyle. Um, now, not all those friends are with us today. We've just, you know, from other churches or most of us have become pastors in different denominations. So we've just split off. But... You know, every now and then, like Steve, you know, I'll still just shoot him a text, normally around Origin. Uh, he's New South Wales, so he's always losing. So I always just shoot him a, a text and, um, you know, or just the odd phone call, you know. And so there's these lifelong friendships that are formed of, out of uh, that. Also, one's right beside me. I, I counted up 30-something years now, yeah, for me and John. So... Um, God's kept that relationship together and it's just growing. So I think friendships are very valuable for guys. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. And I think there's no sharper or more sharpening that's going to happen with a, than a guy with a guy. And, you know, a wife can do so much and there's a lot to do with us, I'm sure. But um, a guy can really just say in guy language, it's not normally many words and we just get it. And um, when we work on that. So, yeah, that's my thoughts behind Can I that. add one thing? What's that? I want to add one thing. 
Yesterday, my, oh, two days ago, my car door broke and it was swinging open and Rachel's out at the field and the kid's there and I wasn't able to go and get there, but I was with Grant and he was a real good friend because he's like, don't worry, we'll sort you out. I'll get Jess there to pick up the kids. We'll sort you out. We're going to cover the bills. It's all good. You're going to cover the bills, right? No. Uh, <laughs> no, but friendships is built in, a, in hard times. So if you look for the hard times in your friends, that's a chance to build a friendship. Don't be intimidated, but lean into those. My question. Um, so I had a question for the um, guys in the room. With so many guys growing up, around men that aren't raised in a, in a biblical worldview, let's say, and they're not very good manly figures to follow, how do we inspire our boys to grow up in a biblical manhood and not the world's version of manhood? <laughs> so, um, to me, the key word there is inspire. I, I don't think we do inspire, I think we train. And, um, yeah, we train them in the ways of God. And basically, as a father, I think we have to take ownership that we need to show it and we need to teach it and we need to live it. So it needs to be authentic in our lives. And so I know for me, um, as my kids have grown older, I've personally had to change and develop in areas as a man um, in order for me to be able to example. So whether it's the time I spend on my phone or um, the time I spend out with the family or the places I go, um, gigging and bands and all of that sort of stuff was part of the change for me, was kids coming into my world. Um, I wanted them to see the example. For me, um, I've always read or listened to the Bible, um, but a couple of years ago, probably four or five years ago, I made sure that my Bible's always out in the living area and I sit down every morning and I make that my Bible time. And so I've had to change for it because I want them to see it and then see the authenticity of it, so the longevity of it, and that it changes my world. So when I say to my children, hey, you know, it's, do you read your Bible? They can actually see why there's a benefit from it. And dad has a routine to example from that. So therefore, I can have an expectation. So I've found that you can't expect things of anyone. So this is a good leadership tip as well. But you can't expect what you don't already live. And what you live in private is good between you and God. But people are human beings with eyes. They need to actually see the private outwardly it worked. And so for our children, it's that example. So I think you, you train your child in the ways of the Lord as opposed to try and inspire them. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the key word there, besides inspire, is the word biblical, <laughs> personally, because I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Bible is full of male figures. You know, some people see that as very sexist. And I, I think I had this chat with, was it with you, maybe, like a couple of days ago, about how there's actually... Less, oh no, I'm, I remember where I was, yes. Yeah, it's like there's actually not a lot of women mentioned in the Bible, and it's not a sexist thing, it has to do with because they're more like diamonds, and you know, they're far more rare, and so God really honors them. Um, whereas, like, you get a lot of male names, which kind of makes us a little bit more like dirt. <laughs> but 
I think, yeah. But I think the reason is, is that it's because men need so many different facets to learn from. So, because there's just so many facets. I'm sure for women it's the same as well, but I don't know because I'm not. Uh, but like, having so many biblical male figures allows, allows us to understand the different, different um, outworkings of being a male. You know, for both good and for bad. You know, you look through all the kings and it's just like, well, that didn't work out for most of them. <laughs> Probably don't do that stuff, you know. But then you've got heroes, and that's the best part. That's why I love the honesty of the Bible. It's because it doesn't hold back from going, oh, and this guy, he slew all, all of them, you know. My favorite thing, no, actually, I'm going to go there. doesn't matter. <laughs> but, but the Bible can be very, very male, both in love and in strength. And I think it's really good. So when I think of a biblical worldview and how we can train our children that, or, uh, especially if they haven't grown up in a, with a biblical worldview, is just put them straight back to the Bible and go, read, read the whole Bible and take lessons from every, every figure there in, in the way that we should go. Fantastic. Ryan, what would you like to ask us fathers? <laughs> Um, so I'd, uh, want to ask, what is something that you wish you were told or had done before you became a father? Because I want to get there one day, so I'm asking all these questions. <laughs> I know I can't, I don't need to know everything. Henry, do you have a, do you have an answer to that question? Jeez, that's an open-ended, that's a Pandora's <laughs> box, that one. <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> Well, one thing I did say a couple of times is if I knew, if I had a book and I read all about it, I don't think I'd ever become a father. <laughs> or, I wouldn't go down that road. If, if I had a book or if, if I seen book a movie... would have missed out on. Eh? <laughs> or if, if God showed me a movie on fatherhood and what's involved and all the hoops you're going to have to jump through and all the... Look, there's good times and there's bad times in fatherhood. Uh, that's life. There's good times and bad times in marriage. Um, if, we, if we knew the path, I don't think a lot of us would go down there. So what God's done is God's given us him. He's given us Jesus. He's given us his word. And um, if, pretend every human being on this world followed God, there'd be no, there'd be no problems. Because we wouldn't have to be told to expect something. We wouldn't have to get caught by surprise. Oh, I didn't know this was coming. I, I just totally know within myself, every person that, that lives in the Word of God, you won't get many surprises. You know, you might get attitude surprises. You might get um, temper surprises and things like that because every person, every child's got a character and a nature and a DNA that they get maybe from other members of the family, we don't know. But you just expect what to expect, and you expect to live not knowing what to expect. And uh, I think you just go day by day. There's no manual for it. And just go by, day by day, reading the Word of God, attending church, and like Graham shed, said something before about iron sharpens iron. You fellowship like we do. This, this is talking about friends. Yous aren't just friends like we were talking. That's a specific, isn't it? 
use of friends in family. So go to church, birds of a feather flock together, who you, who you um, uh, go to church with, who you talk to, who your real friends are, uh, that's what you will become like and you'll find your children will follow you. Your children will be mixing with you. They're going to kiddies' church. They're listening to what dad and mum's talking to, Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so. And your kids just get moulded, and they get moulded in the ways of God. But, um, yeah, there's a million things I wish I was told initially, <laughs> and a million things I didn't know. And um, it's, that's an area you just can't go. you just got to live day by day, walk in him, uh, You'll be right. <laughs> Chris, did you have something? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I had a, I have, he's not gone, but I have a dad who's, uh, he raised me really well. He's kind, loving, uh, generous, very good example. And so I didn't have that example of a really uh, bad history or like this shocking past. So, and then I also found uh, interest in Rach <clears throat> in grade 10 or something. And she was already thinking about her children and their children. So she in <laughs> inspired me from grade 10. So I had this standard of fatherhood that was way up here. Um, and I was never going to be able to hit that. So I think I, uh, in myself, she didn't put that on me. So I um, found uh, if I would have known that grace and forgiveness and allowing for mistakes and doing your best, that's what it takes. Like, you don't have to be the perfect dad because God's a generational God and He's going to fix something or alter something in this generation that they'll step up and then they'll step up and they'll step up and they'll step up. So, yeah, think uh, grace for yourself long term. Love it. Good wisdom. Um, just real quickly, my answer to it was um, I wish someone told me that I have to do half of the chores. I, I know that sounds basic, but, um, you know, we live in a world where both parents now work and I had this expectation on my wife that was unrealistic and it took me years just to get my head around, hey, I can actually pick up an iron, I can sweep a floor or do the dishes. Um, yeah, I was very fortunate where mum did most of that. I had a, an amazing mum. Yeah, I just wish someone just said, hey, Graham, it's not just all on your wife. And um, yeah. your mother did tell you, you didn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, probably. I was writing music. <laughs> hey, Matt, you got a question for us? Yeah. All righty. Well, for the fathers on the stage, what is one proud fathering moment that you like to look back on? Oh, wow. One proud fathering moment. Um, I would say, honestly, when they finally moved out. <laughs> so good. Is that bad? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because it was like, success. I'm really pretty good at this. <laughs> Oh, you mean proud for them? About them or me? <laughs> uh, either way, okay, yeah. I guess, I've got, I, it sounds terrible, but I'm actually genuine. Because it's kind of a thought where you think, have you 
brought them up to a point where they become independent in their head. Yeah. Not, you know, not like when they're three years old and they think they're independent, yeah. but, but I mean actually yeah, independent, capable, and, and, the, and you can see the conflict happening in the house a little bit. It's really bizarre. Like the tension builds, the tension builds, and it's because in their, in their heart and in their mind, they're already separated and want to have their own facility. And they want to they wanna have their own authority in the house. And you have to remind them, no, 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 see my roof? Not, not your roof. But go get your own roof. <laughs> you know? And so, so now that two have left, it's just like, huh, this is, this is great. So that would be mine, yeah. My proud moment happens almost daily uh, when I say, all right, kids, what do you want to play on the, on the Google speaker? What's some music that you want to play? And Hannah looks at me with, this, with the eyes and she goes, fat beats, daddy. <laughs> fat beats. I didn't teach them that. <laughs> I don't know where that happened. But we put something on. So you're and, claiming it as their father. Yeah, and they instantly dance like no one's watching. And I love that freedom that I've been able to give them to not be squished, to be themselves, to express, and to be able to cry if something happens, and, and joyfully celebrate. Like, I figured out that my one-year-old was trying to get me to give her sultanas, and um, she was saying the word for water. She was going, ta-ta, and she was, like, screaming when I'd give her water. Like, I don't know what you want, woman. Um, then I pointed to the sultana, and she goes, hooray! <laughs> and I just felt so much joy that she could express that so well and all of, all of my kids love to dance and, and express That's what, that makes me proud very good uh, Dad you got a, a question for us yeah um, in this day and age uh, chastising kids and all this and uh, trying to bring them up in the ways you know they should go and the way our rules and regulations are um, my sister-in-law and I and Colleen were walking through a shopping centre years ago and uh, there was a lady smacking her child for screeching in the pram. And uh, my sister-in-law is a school teacher. She said, do you know by rights I should report this? I said, are you serious? She said, yep, if I witness it, I should be reporting it. So my question, gentlemen, is should you spare the rod? So I'm sure John's got thoughts. <laughs> what does it say in Hebrew, John? So I saw the question in advance and thought I'd better equip myself. Um, I do have a thought to it. So the, it's from Proverbs 13, um, spare the rod, spoil the child. And um, I think you've got to first get in context what the rod is because there's also a second half to that verse, which I'd have to pull up and have a quick look. And the second half of that verse gives context to the first half. And, um, but the rod there is referring to like a shepherd's rod, you know, and I, I don't see many shepherds that go around smacking their sheep around trying to get them back in line. They use the rod um, to redirect, you know, in the form of correction. So going the wrong way, pull, pull them back through by the neck. So it's, it's serious sometimes. But it's a stern pullback. Sometimes it also means in the um, actual meaning of the, 
the word to poke. So sometimes, yes, there is a, a poking or a, you know, a form of correction, but it definitely doesn't mean that we get the hose off the tap in the backyard and cut a metre length and use that. Um, it definitely doesn't mean that we have a paddle shaped like a whale with a smiley face on it. Um, in, does anyone know what I'm talking about? This is the Christian discipline from 1980. Um, it doesn't mean canes, you know, you go to school, put your fingers out and you're... Okay, we're not smacking kids around. What we're doing is we're directing them. Sometimes that's with a bit of tension, force, um, however you want to read into that. I know with my children, um, I haven't just gone, spare the rod, spool the child. This is what the Bible says, so I'm going to smack my children every time they do something wrong because it's actually not what the Bible says. Um, we actually need to read in, into that more. It's definitely not what we interpret that as, which is every time they do something, put your hands on the bed and you whoop them 15 times. That's not what that means. So I'm not saying that, um, you know, I, I, I will just say that there are many, many ways you can achieve the same result and we shouldn't take the Bible out of context and just blame it on God when really we're doing something that's, in today's world, classes abuse. Um, yeah. So you want to add? Sure. Um, okay, yeah, so I actually did this verse for one of our life group sessions last year because I think a parental abuse is um, something that they get taught by their parents who then got taught that by their parents. It's very generational, uh, and so I don't, I don't want to actually... Um, I don't want to dishonour the people who are just doing the best they can, yeah. doing what they were taught to do, I remember being told when I was young that the best way to discipline a child is you keep beating them until their cry goes from screaming to repentance. So that was my understanding of it. And I remember telling my girlfriend, she's like, oh, you know, if we get together, going to have kids, how do you think we should discipline them? And I told her that line and she looked at me like, you're a psycho. I'm like, really? Isn't that what you meant to do? Because that was exactly what I was told and believed and experienced. So, um, so it's very, very, what Pastor Graham was saying is exactly right. It's the, the, the very next line in that verse talks about love. But every verse, you know, you just look at the verse and the next line. You look at the chapter, then you look at the book, and then you look at the entire Bible. <laughs> and you read in the context of that. And so if, if something seems out of place, you have to think, is it me? You know, yes, the answer is it's the way you read it. <laughs> Um, because the context of discipline in the Bible is always loving. Yeah. And the word, uh, well, uh, rod, the whole, what you were saying before, it's more about the shepherd's staff. It's like lamed, which is actually like a, a shepherd. And a king's scepter as well. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Well, yeah, a, a king, if he has a rod and he brutalizes his own people, he's, he's, not, he's not a good king, firstly. And he's, he's going to lose his subjects. But also the sheep, like... The rod is always about bringing in line more than it is about the physical abuse of it. You know, it's, it's always about... So any time there is going to be a spare the rod moment, or not, sorry, not sparing the rod moment, it has to be, but is this a loving act or is this me venting my trauma on, on a child? 
you know. So discipline needs to be about love, not trauma enactment. And uh, when you read the Bible, you actually don't see um, any examples of that that's the style of raising a child or discipline that you should use. In fact, Psalms 23 says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so discipline should always bring comfort as well. And um, so however you go about that, make sure your, your child isn't going, dad is rejecting me through this process because I've done something wrong. Um, but your child always feels like dad is loving me and showing me how much he cares even though I've done the wrong thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. There is a, there is a, a difference in that. Um, also, can I just encourage, especially as fathers, especially as fathers, whenever there's discipline involved, please follow it with a hug, a kiss, and an I love you, okay? Always reinforce the number one most important value to you is your love for that child and your belief in them as well.